Where's your heart? Where's your mind? Material things you gotta leave behind. Here's a little something in case you didn't know. You can't buy love with silver or gold. If you got a roof up over your head, belly full of food and a nice warm bed, you are blessed, I know indeed. It ain't what you want is having what you need. I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when your money's all gone? Yeah, tell me, Chad Building. Yeah, we're all equal, that's what I think Don't believe heaven has a bank Make good use of your time on this earth And don't make a dollar bill on this world I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last that long what you gonna do when your money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when your money's all gone? How you doing, Chad Belding? Oh, buddy, what a treat. Um, in case anybody was wondering or didn't know, that was live in the studio. Usually we play that song written by Leith Lofton, our other good buddy, Drake White. They wrote that together several years ago. It's kind of become the staple or the theme song of not just the foul life, but now this life ain't for everybody. And old Tom plays us in with it and out with it. Amazing song, huh? <laughs> Thanks, brother. What, appreciate it. What um, happens? Give me an idea real quick. Does an idea just pop up into a songwriter's mind to come up with a song like this? Are you and Drake sitting there going, hey, man, we're not doing this for the money? And then it just goes, boom, that sparks interest. How does, it, how, how does that work right there with that song, for example? Um, uh, well, that song, every one of them is different, you know. But uh, that song in particular, I, I still remember because it, it's one of uh, it's, it's a simple song, you know. It's uh, not all songs are, are complicated. Some are, you know. But uh, that song, I wanted it to be simple because I like uh, Drake and I both live on the same. Um, we live on in you know the same mindset. We like the simple life. So uh, I knew I had the idea just because um, I was I had kind of been spending some time around people that had just uh, built their lives around having money, and and that was everything to them, and. And I, I saw that, and I just, and I thought, you know, to myself, well, maybe did I move to Nashville for, for that? Because that that doesn't seem like I'd be happy like that. So, I don't know exactly how that. Uh, I, I knew I wanted it to be something about when the money was all gone, but I didn't know that that was going to be the exact hook. And I brought it to Drake because we had already had a few songs that we had written, and we were on the same wavelength and. We got together and knocked that one out, man, and it turned out it was exactly like I wanted it, uh, real simple, and 
and uh, glad people liked it, man. Glad y'all like it. And when you, when I hear that song, the first thing that always comes to mind is besides our relationship and friendship with you is all the different times I've heard it in different venues, whether it was in a concert setting, whether it was at NWTF with a bunch of turkey hunters and duck hunters standing around the banded booth or the foul life booth, whiskey bent, silver dollar. I've seen you play it in Idaho, in Kansas, in Florida, in Las Vegas, in Reno. I mean, you name it, we've seen you play it. And the one place that comes to mind that I love seeing it the most is a campfire. Yeah. And you have a lot of passion for a campfire and the lifestyle of what a campfire means. And would that be like your, your safe haven? Is that where you want to be is with friends and family at a campfire? And, and that's kind of where you get a lot of your inspiration is, is, is not just a campfire, but what a campfire symbolizes. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we, that's, um, I mean, that's what we're put here on earth for. I mean, this, when, <laughs> if we were the first people on earth, that's, that's how we would, uh, I heard Drake White put it that way. I never thought of that, but uh, that was a campfire was uh, social media of the day back in the day, and that was I thought that was pretty clever. But um, I mean, he's right. I mean, that's everybody gathers there, and you know, back in the day, that's that's what they did. They didn't have clubs to go to, or they didn't have movies to watch all the time. You just you you had some a few people in the family or friends pick guitars and you'd gather by a fire because everybody had to work at night and so uh so I'm it's ingrained in me um just I mean I, it's just I just think is uh that's the basis of humanity is um I mean that's the fire is life. I mean, without fire, where would where would anybody be? So you get around and you just feel, I don't know what it is about a campfire. You just feel that, um, you, you just get um, a real, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's easy a, to, um, it's easy to socialize around it, you know. It's got, it, it's just the, the, your vibe is all about boots up on a fire pit, the sparks, the crack, your dog laying next to you might have a Bud Light or cocktail in your hand. Mm. Um, everything that that symbolizes, every memory made, every, more importantly, the stories told, it's like there's a song in a lot of things that we experience at hunting camp. And kind of where I'm going with that is that you spend a lot of time in the woods and you're from Mississippi, you live in Nashville, and you just got back from, um, I don't know, a little small turkey tour. And you, you, you were running with Bobby Johnson, our good buddy in Nashville, and mm -hmm. that when I think when I see the pictures of you, I get jealous, not like <laughs> jealous or like, oh, God, don't, but I'm like, man, I wish I was there because I know what's yeah. throwing down in your nightlife. And I think that with being around you and Drake and having guys like you in camp, it's just it's the most special times of the season. So I think that a lot of people hear that. Oh, it's just another campfire, it's just another guitar, it's just some it ain't it's not that. It's everything. And I think that no matter how many mallards float, flutter into the decoys that day or how well your dog does, a lot of people are just like, man, I know it's getting ready to go down tonight. And was that going on in turkey camp? I mean, did you jam? Did you play? Is it, it's pretty much become why people invite you to camp, right? <laughs> uh, it, it's definitely gotten me into some camps. I love it. But uh, the people that I meet there, because of this guitar, I mean, I just end up just making friends with them and... Um, it's just, you know, I could not even bring my guitar and, and, and go there and hunt and have a good time with those guys, but I do it just because I love it and I love to 
you know, to show my appreciation. And that's one way I, I can do that. And, um, you know, kind of earn my keep, uh, is doing that, but I don't have much else to offer. I sure don't. My, all my money's been gone, <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, this particular uh kansas trip we just got back off of it was it was a rough one at first um bobby johnson we thought he was about to drive back home empty-handed eating both of his tags i killed my last one an hour before the hunt was over the last evening and we literally were driving back and we pulled over on the side of the dirt road to a spot that uh the guide knew and he called from the road and i had already tagged out so i was i didn't even get out of the truck and with my window up i heard the turkey gobble and so i got in the truck and i moved the truck and they went in right there and and uh i came back to pick them up and they literally were in there 30 minutes and came back bobby had killed two birds and but uh you know that's it just lucked out that time but we we would go again and again and again without killing anything and it's just we love it man i mean you you know did you play Heck yeah, we played. And we played even harder that night after killing two birds. <laughs> you, we, you, when, you, when you say we played, is, is, is it something to where it doesn't matter who you're with? You just get a vibe and you just know that you, you're going to sing your song. I, where I'm going with this, Leith, is that I don't think that people really understand the, the, the nature of the lyrics that are in some of these songs. And when you hear a, a, a wor- words like what you going to do when the money's all gone, I really think that when you're playing with a guy like Bobby Johnson, a guy like Keith Allen, a guy like Drake white in front of a guy like my brother clay or, or drew Keith or somebody, is there any better bond than the song? Do you feel that your songs are the bond between you and a lot of your friends? I, I look at it to where like it's like that common thread between you and the guy like Bobby Johnson is the song. And it's almost like you're writing a song the entire time you're hunting. I might be off on that, but it, I just don't know how you come up with a lot of the things you write except to remember everything in life you experience. Yeah, I mean, that, it's um, there's a lot of life experiences in a lot of those songs. And, um, you know, um, especially um, when I first came out of the gate as a songwriter, that's all I knew, and then you know I kind of, I kind of got a little jaded uh, when I moved to Nashville, and you know, got a publishing deal, and um, I was forced to write five days a week, and you know you'd be kind of stamping them out. Like he kind of took the fun out of it, and it took the the real out of it, and and I uh, there's a lot of things that I I I learned from that, um, but. Writing a good song, I, I definitely did not take from that experience of having a publishing deal. Um, I think that I've wrote my best songs before I had a publishing deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the better, the real, the more real songs that are out there are usually come from life experiences, and that's just plain and simple. I mean, if you don't come from a heartfelt place, I mean, Willie said it best: if you ain't, you can't write a song if you ain't got nothing to say. You can fake it all day long, but it, at the end of the day, you just got a cookie cutter song. Which, which I think you just described bro country there in a nutshell pretty quick. You didn't say it. I said it. I'll take credit well, for saying that. Well, I mean, uh, those guys, they, you know, they just, um, a lot of those lines are clever too, but it's just, you know, they're, they're just beating a dead horse. I mean, they're talking about the same exact things, you know, and, um, you know, I mean, Merle Haggard, I mean, 
rolling with the flow, going where the lonely. You're goes. not referring I mean, to a girl dancing on a tailgate and cut off shorts, are you? Like, I mean, in in a jacked up pickup truck, you know, <laughs> in a jacked up pickup. I mean, truck. I I think I think that that's what I've experienced knowing you. And you know, the story goes is you know I'm I'm with our buddy Clark, and we we roll down to to Hopkinsville, Kentucky, with our buddy Sam Natten, and. I hear this music going on and I'm a huge music guy. I, don't, I wouldn't say that I'm a musical, uh, you know, know it all, but I certainly have a lot of love for music. And I hear this guy in the back and there's lightning storms and they're talking about, they're talking about big storms coming in. And you're playing a song that, that another one you wrote with Drake white called 50 years too late. And I sat there and went, who in the hell is this cat? And that's when I fell in love with you. Like I was like, and I literally, I talked to you that night and I said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And you're like, hell yeah, put a song on a show. And I just, I just never could understand how you write a song the way you do, because I mean, you know, I don't need to kiss your butt. I mean, they, they're on a different level of songwriting. And I know you're going to sit there and say, well, well, but hush, you know, right of that. but they are, they're so clever and so intelligent and so real that it, it, it really separates your songs from what we're talking about, that quote unquote cookie cutter. And that's why I'm picturing you like in Turkey camp and you're sitting, your back's up against a tree and you got a gobbler coming at you. There's inspiration in all of that that's going on. And you could very easily come out and just write a really tacky song about that turkey coming in, but you relate different things to that experience. And I think that that's the way that you get a lot of your songs. And you, you wrote a song called, when we were in Kansas, we went, we were duck hunting. And you made a comment that night after your gig that Haas are wearing the treads off of our good years. And I'm like, what? Like, how clever is that, Leith? We're wearing the treads off of our Goodyears. Goodyears are a tire company, probably the biggest tire company ever besides maybe Michelin. They have treads on them. We're living our life in the fast lane, going 90 miles an hour from state to state, hunting and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And you come up with that and you write a song, play a little bit of that one for me real quick, of wearing our treads off our good years. And I think that that's what you meant by it is that, Hey, if we don't slow down a little bit, buddy, our tires are going to be bald pretty soon. <laughs> Am I close? It's, it went down some similar to that. As far as I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying I that? do remember not being able to sleep in a hotel room trying to finish that song. I don't even remember what hotel it was at this point. Um, <clears throat> all these long nights, Whiskey and cold beers are wearing out The treads on my good years Even the best of us have to slow down in time That's a hard pill to swallow for the running kind Yep Good night. That's a hard pill to swallow for the running kind. And I mean, we grow old. We got to slow down. I mean, oh, Hendo probably y'all probably talked about that. Him coming out of retirement. I mean, you, you can only go so, so hard, so long. And, um, you have to, uh, you got to slow it down as, as bad as you hate it, you know, but, but there is hope. I mean, I've seen, um, guys out there still still hunting and fishing at 80 years old you know and that's what we love to do and i mean i'll still be picking this guitar if, I, if my arthritis will allow me around the campfire when i'm 80 and and you're welcome to join me with 
You bring the whiskey. Yeah, and I will. And you've written some songs about whiskey. But when you play Good Years, it reminds me of a night we shared together two years ago in Louisiana with our friends down at Honeybreak. We went down there, and you have a relationship with Drew Keith and Tack and all the guys down there. Awesome people. The lodge, the food, the hunting. I mean, everything is just so right up our alley. Mm. And I remember when Drew heard that song that you just played, Good Years, for the first time. He literally, and you know how Drew, Drew is so animated in everything he does. His facial expressions are awesome. He should be in Hollywood. But he'll like, he'll like, he just would look up and he would be like, or like he couldn't believe how good it was. And where I'm going with that is, how is that song not a hit on the radio? How is that song not being heard by everybody that listens to country music radio? Because that is real life. Why isn't it? And what do we have to do to do get it there? Like, that's the science of music. That's the business of music. I understand that. But everybody deserves to understand the real songs that are being written out there. I agree, buddy. I agree. I'll I tell you what. I mean, you I, I, you. I think you blow me up too much and brag on me a little too much. I don't um, see myself as, as one of the great ones. But um, I do love what I do. And I've been doing it for many years now. But uh, what I am not good at is self-promoting, and uh, and I I just uh, I do it because I love it, and I thought there at one time I wanted to be in the limelight, and and uh, you know life changes, and God puts you on a different path, and you 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 got to follow His and not your own. So uh, uh, I I I think that everything kind of works out, you know. But the song, you know, the song will. If it's meant to be out there, I feel like it'll it'll make it one day, one of these days. I've heard tell that you know guys write a song and it's not even cut um, till you know fifteen, twenty years down the road. That's a long time to to wait on a song to <laughs> to be cut. But I've heard tales of you know, um, so you know it could happen. I think uh, Chris Stapleton that that um, Leanne Womack song. Well, just that album that he put out. All of those songs were 10 years old, mm-hmm. except the Tennessee Whiskey on there. Um, I, I believe I'm correct by saying that. I could be wrong, but um, I think he had, he had looked back in his catalog, and that album was dedicated to his, to his dad, from what I was told, and, and he reached back and picked a bunch of songs out that he had written a long time ago. So, so uh, it, it will have. I, I, just, so, I think every, every time I hear one of the songs, it's, that's the first thought that goes through my mind. And I don't brag on you too much. I brag on on the the sheer talent that goes into the songs because I've never really been able to figure out the the conundrum of how does a song like this one make it and then you have this song over here that literally makes every bit of my hair on my neck or arm stand up and goosebumps like crazy and I'm like that's music but maybe that's just me and maybe that's why I'm not living in Nashville running these record companies you know well a lot of it has to do with uh who holds um a percentage of that song. <laughs> if um, Scott Borchetta was a, a co-writer of that song or had any part of it, it would probably already have been on the radio. <laughs> Scott Borchetta with Big Machine. That's right. Well, you need to be on that label. Yeah. Because you're better than a lot of the people. I, on say yeah, that, I am. I'm saying it. So, <laughs> well, you know, we're at Honey Break and you fast forward a year, we're down there. And now this year we're down there for, the federal black cloud sweepstakes where a lucky winner, yeah. a lucky winner got to um, win an all expense paid trip through federal ammunition Man. to honey break and bring a guest. 
as well as a complete package from Banded, a Super Black Eagle 3 from our friends at Benelli, um, all the food, lodging, everything provided by our friends at Honeybreak. Get the TV show, get it filmed for TV, for national broadcast at the Outdoor Channel. And then on top of that, they get there and you got Leith Lofton and Drake White what? up in camp. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I want to win this prize. I got to go down there and work, work, work. And this dude, these guys, they're awesome guys from they Wisconsin. Were. Yeah. And I remember, you, so you paint the picture down there. What better camp situation could these guys, these winners get involved in? You know, our awesome friends, like I said, at Black Cloud, giving them the, the opportunity to do so. But I want to talk a little bit about that place. And mm. what what is, like, can you even name, like, your favorite part of it? And I'm talking from the food to the lodging to the comfort to the boat rides to the hunting to the guides to Drew. To t- is there, you can't put it into words what that place is, huh? No, nah, I, I mean, it would be tough. Um, I, I Yeah. The cooks, Miss Shelley down there, she's awesome as she can be. And uh, just, it's just a fun time just walking into the lodge and just going and hugging all those people's necks in the kitchen and, and uh, that's to me. That's my favorite part is just just walking in and just seeing who's all in there and just shaking everybody's hand and and because um, you haven't seen them in maybe a year, some of them and or a few months at least, uh, and just catching up. Um, but golly, you try to add it all together and it's it's a deadly combination. And you you have I don't know if like you can really explain like how good she cooks and and her entire staff of, (laughs) of cooks there. But when it comes to Cajun food and fish and blackened fish and crawfish and etouffee and gumbo. And I mean the kitchen, I I don't even want to leave that. Even if I'm not eating, I just kind of like being in that general vicinity, like you're saying, because you know, something good's getting ready to (laughs) some good aromas getting ready to pass through your nostrils at any given time. And you and on top of that, it's got. I, I wouldn't say I hate using the word world class because that's just like whatever. But it's got unbelievable hunting opportunity. Yeah. And so, when you you put it all together and you have all of us in the blind together, obviously there's some ribbon going on. But what what about the the work before we get there that goes in? I mean, look at the blinds and the decoy spreads. Oh man, it's like fifty dozen decoys out in front of us. The blinds are like. You, they might as well just be houses. You got your you got your boat garage, and you climb up in there, and the guides that bring a cooler every day with their name on it, and in that cooler is your breakfast sandwiches, your breakfast burritos, your waters, your diet Dr. Peppers. I mean, it's it's one of those things to where they got it covered, right? Yeah. The experience. What's crazy? You you've gotten experience more than I because, and I and this is what pisses me off a lot about my upbringing is that I hit a baseball kind of good, but nobody cares anymore. If I would have just learned to do that, what you're doing with this guitar and my brother does, it's like you'll get invited anywhere at any given time. So now you're down at honey break with your guitar again. And the only reason it pisses me off is because you're getting to eat the food. Really? It is. Cause I mean, I get to hunt some cool places, but in what is your favorite, absolute favorite part of that place? Can you pick one? Um, man, you know, those guys down there, um, just, it's just a warm feeling and I like I mean I've been I've been to camps where you know the guys were just um or just the people there just you know not necessarily um I mean they still treat you good don't don't get me wrong I mean I've, 
just about everywhere you go, if somebody's going to guide you, they usually host you pretty pretty decent. But all those guides down there, they just take you in like you they've been knowing you for years and, and just they cut up with you and just it's just a good time. And, and that adds to, <clears throat> I mean, everything, all the other good qualities about the place. I'm, uh, I was fortunate enough to get down there and hunt with uh, Drew on his personal property. Um, we went deer hunting. He's got a little place in Deer Park down there and just uh, real close to Honey Break. And uh, we went down there and shot some hogs. But um, And my buddy John Party, he went down and killed some big deer. I haven't gotten to hunt uh, deer on Honey Break yet, but uh, I'm going to try to shoot one soon. You get you got to go on Drew's personal property for deer, and you and Drake ran over there the, a couple evenings in a row, and uh, we were out kind of doing our behind the scenes extra work for the TV show. And, um, you, you kind of bragged on the, the deer blind there. What was it? Is it a, uh, is it a trailer? Is it a, what is it? What is the big deer blind? Oh that, man. It's, it's, um, so, you know, the, uh, it's an office building is like a mobile. Right. It's like a, a mobile office. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a satellite TV in there, refrigerator full of moonshine, re- nice, recomfortable recliner recliner so it's rough in it oh it, it at least tell me you got to walk up a bunch of hills to get to it. i told him i wouldn't hunt in it i didn't even hunt in it <laughs> Drake, and, yeah. and then and then here here we go so i i told him there's no way my dad would ever hunt in that no he would never hunt in that well a few weeks later i went down <laughs> and my dad went with me uh when i went back down there and sure enough we went to drew's place again and Drew pulled up and said, Kenny, that's where you're hunting. And dad flipped out. He, he just didn't want to leave. I thought he was going to, I didn't think he was going to, I thought he was going to be like, no, I can't hunt in this. I'll go to sleep or something. No, he loved it. I guess he's getting soft. I'm going to have to talk to old Kenny Lofton. He's getting soft. You know, Ken, Kenny's, but, Kenny's a nomad, right? <laughs> I mean, there ain't no doubt, right? I mean, he'll be deer hunting one second. The next thing you know, he's got arrow hunt, he's arrow, hunting. arrowhead out there. And, and I mean, he just, he's got the attention span of a baby, you know, just like he just changes quick. And, man, I wish he was here right now, though. That's another part man. of Honey Break was when you and him got on the guitars and he got into his old Chuck Berry. He started doing the Johnny Be Good kick around the around the lodge. And <laughs> he was just loving it. So you you, you have you have this place that's just this, you know, it's a lot of property. This ain't no secret. I mean, Honey Break's oh, big yeah. and it's legit. And it's a blessing to be able to go there and call those guys our friends and family. And, you know, you had another good buddy in camp with you that you have a lot of history with who's, He's he's kicking up, you know, kicking the dirt up in Nashville, and he's he just put out a new EP. Drake White is yeah. what I'm talking about. You've written several songs with Drake White. Um, this is his guitar, actually. That's his guitar. Yeah, he let you borrow it. Yeah, my my the one that I uh, gig with is in the shop, and uh, they're taking their sweet time on that. Thinking about taking it from him and putting it somewhere else, but. But uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, I asked him to borrow it to uh, go to the shot show and perform this year, and uh, I've had it ever since. I keep telling him, "Hey man, I'm, I hadn't forgot about it. I'm still <laughs> treating it like it's mine, but I'll get it back to you soon." Yeah, he'll be on the road for a while. Yeah, he, he don't need it. He's, he's probably got some clock. He might have a guitar sponsor now. So you got to play with him down there, and I know you've played with Drake a lot. I've seen you play with him a lot of different places, but. That night was neat because it was 
to me, I watched the, the reaction. It's the same everywhere we go. The reaction of all the different hunters that were in camp at that time. They're like, wow, they clapped at every song. Man, that's a song. That's a song right there, man. That's you, wh- wh- Why isn't that song on the radio, man? And it's the same thing that we started this conversation about. But when you're when you're down there with a good buddy like Drake White, does it give you a little bit more ump to like be, are you stepping it up or are you still just, and here's why I'm saying it, because Drake is stomping. And Drake's like, he's got that kind of that stomping and that hippie kind of attitude. And then here comes Lee to just real methodical and just the, the, the lyrics speak for themselves, right? It's kind of Dan Henderson's approach to fight game. There wasn't a whole lot of hype. It's just all about the lyric, right? And but of I, course, you got a beautiful voice. Don't get me wrong. But I can stomp too now. You can stomp, huh? You've seen me stomp. I've seen you stomp, but you know. you. you I mean, you, I just don't Drake White stomp. I mean, I'm not trying to break my heel. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to keep rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you have a song called Coast is Clear, and who's your co-writer on it? That'd be That's the first one we ever wrote. And... When you talk about, uh, there's some lyrics in the coast is clear and there's some lines in there about the bulls in Spain and dancing butt naked in the pouring rain. And, 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 and I think I have the song, right. I mean, I know I do, but the, the, the song is 100% about living life. Don't be scared. That's right. Coast is clear no matter what you're facing in life. And I think that that rings true. It doesn't matter what you do in life. You know, a lot of people see, people that are successful Mm -hmm. but those people have those roadblocks too they've had to get over humps everybody experiences things in life we've all gone through family emergencies and being scared and wanting our kids the best for our kids and our family and and the coast is clear rings to me and when you and drake wrote it you were like hey get your butt off the couch and go do it man right that everybody's got the opportunity to go do it don't be scared the coast is clear right yeah i want to hear a little bit of it (laughs) Do you remember how to play the, the the chords? Buddy, I probably can get through this one. We wrote it, uh, and after writing it, um, we got to the chorus, and it was the the fin- you know the the last line of the chorus I threw out there just see kind of what he was feeling, and uh, when he agreed with the line, we knew then that we were going to write a bunch of songs together. And uh, we were on the same page, and um, so that was cool. So we, I knew where he stood, and he knew where I stood. The coast is clear. You don't have to be afraid, son. You can do what any man's done. If you only try, the rules are meant. Not to break, but to bend. Throw caution to the wind Don't let your life pass you by Just go get your ride on a runaway train Do a little dance in the pouring rain Life ain't worth living if you do it all the same Don't you curse the ground where your seeds are sown Never forget your way back home God's the only thing you really gotta fear The coast is clear Mm. What is the definition of a God-fearing man? Me (laughs) Meaning what? Teach me something (laughs) 
Well, buddy, I, I you believe hear it. All, sorry I for interrupting you, Lee, but you hear it a lot more where you're from than you do where I'm from. Yeah. The yeah. South, you hear the God fearing man a lot. Educate me on what that means. Well, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know why that is. I mean, it it doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be that way. I mean, Billy Graham was from wasn't he from California or taught a lot in California? I'm sure. I'm. A, um, well, man, I mean, we all we all come from the same place, whether whether you believe it or not. I, I mean, a lot of people do, and a lot of people don't. But I mean, that's there's there's a lot of fact that you can look up, and then there's one one book that it, it definitely states it in. And uh, they're trying to ban that in California as we speak. They, I saw a, um, a headline they're banning the sale of the Bible. But um, man, I'm I'm definitely a hundred percent believer in the man upstairs um yeshua and uh he's the creator and he's the only thing that you should be afraid of because he's <laughs> he's he's the decider he's the he's the judge so when you end. when you say that line in that song god's the only thing you really need to fear yeah there's you don't need to worry about your competition you don't need to worry about you know, that if somebody's bigger, faster, stronger, intelligent, more, you know, anything better than you, just get out there and do it. The coast is clear. I mean, that's... You shouldn't fear what anybody has to say about you. I mean, that that goes to not only doing things, but being, being who you want to be. I mean, you know, there's people overweight that are afraid to go do something because, oh, somebody might talk about me. Well, b- bullshit. Can I say that? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean... So what if you're a little overweight? You know, you may you may have that end of the spectrum. Well, there's somebody over here. Every time there's somebody banging on the table, there's somebody 400 pounds. Well, there's a, there's another guy across the street. He's 100 pounds, and he's like, oh man, he's getting picked on at school because he's skinny. You know, everybody's got something they're afraid of. But <clears throat> that song. Um, it's just just about talking to everybody and in, in what you want to do, what you want to, who you want to be. Just be yourself, and um, you know, and don't don't worry about what people think about you. Do people think I look ugly? Do people do people think I'm good at this? Do they like this song? It don't matter. Just play the song. You know, go out for a, a sport, even though you might suck. Just participate. You know, you might get. I know you. You probably rag them, wouldn't you? No, heck no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Well, I mean, if I was, if I knew them, you know, if I knew them and they couldn't catch. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. No, man. I, I, I just I, when I hear you talk and when I heard you sing it just now, I'm asking again. Is I get it. I go to some music festivals or a concert and there's, and I love, you know, everybody has a right to do anything they want in our country. So every 18 to 23 year old girl has every right to buy a a ticket to a concert and to download a song or stream a song. Um, But to hear those words and what it means and, and how I reflect in it is that that's the kind of message that we need to be getting out there, especially with what's going on in our country today. Everything, it seems to me that's coming out of there besides the stuff like Stapleton and, and, and there are like, you know, I like a lot of the stuff that Rhett writes and, and, and I think that there's a lot of good music. Please don't take this the wrong way that there isn't good music coming out of music sure, city, Nashville, sure. but 
the message uh, of the music. Another girl coming up out of the water, and another girl dancing on a tailgate, and another re- another party, and another, it's just like all these anthems about about partying on Friday night, and and you know she's my girl, and I get it. If there's a place for it, mm-hmm. I get it. I promise you. But I think that people need the message of what does it really mean to understand that the coast is clear? It doesn't mean that you're looking out over Malibu and that there's no clouds on the horizon. <laughs> Unless you really break it down, that's what it is. If it is a little cloudy outside, get through it. Yeah. We can all get, we can all weather the storm. Yeah. And I just, I've just never, again, I can keep going back on it. And I'm passionate about your music and DW's music about the lyrics that they, that, that are, each song pertains. And the, the whole existence of when I'm out working, I think about that music and I'm like, if, if this song is playing right now, how do I want this scene to look? How do I, how would Leith write about this? How would Drake write about this? And I take a lot of that to heart because I, I don't, I'm not a songwriter, but I feel like I can paint a picture of one of your songs. And when I hear something like the coast is clear, I'm just like, man, that song needs to be heard by the masses because it's motivational, it's inspirational. And if you listen to the words, that's a song that you can hook onto and just go, you know what? I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and go kick some ass somewhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just, what was the, uh, Just Go, the tour, the band to Just Go yeah, tour? Yeah, Just Go. I mean, that, you just got to go. And that's the thing is that as a duck hunter, it's, oh, it's too, it's not windy enough or it's not cold enough or it's too warm or it's this. And it's like, well, I have that mentality. I'll admit it sometimes. Where I'm I, just like, I love that, that whole um, thing y'all did with the, just the, just go. I, I thought that was awesome. And you have, you have that in life. If you think about what just go means, it really does mean what that song you just sang does. And, and that's, yeah. again, the whole theme of the beginning of this talk and this discussion was that campfire, that yep. aura, that vibe, that personality. And I'm not talking about your personality or my personality. I'm talking about the personality of the camp, of the hunt, of the location we're at. Honey Break is a place with its own vibe, its own personality. It's it's an individual that stands alone down there, made up of all these different individuals that come in there. And you know, and, you know everybody from Jared to Drew to to, to Tack and, and Miss Shelley and everybody that's in the guide team and everybody that's in the maintenance team. That, that, that whole aura of that campfire and that night that you and Drake played outside by the campfire and then that night that you guys played inside the lodge and to hear you guys sing and to play off of each other, that's to me is what music needs to get back to. And that's why I'm always thinking is like Chris Stapleton has a voice in music now. I remember eight years ago when I sat in your truck and you're like, man, hey, Hoss, you ever heard of the Steel Drivers? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And you're like, well, listen to this guy sing. You knew that Chris Stapleton was special way before any el- anybody else in my clique did. You turned me on to the Steel Drivers, which Chris led that group up for several years in yeah. Nashville. And he wrote songs oh for Gary God. Allen. He wrote songs for Adele when he was leading yeah. up the Steel Drivers. You have an ear for music. And when it comes to inspiration, um, the way that I just talked about how you inspire me, is Duck Camp USA, is Turkey Camp USA, Deer Camp USA, is it a huge inspiration for you? This is the last question I'm going to ask. Is Honey Break and Hunting Camp an inspiration for a man like Leith Lofton to go out and write a country song. I mean, it is. I'm, I take those experiences. I mean, I, I'm not one to go write a hunting song. Um, I, I may talk briefly about it in a line or two, but I don't write just about a hunting experience. But I do take those experiences 
and I, you know, I listen to, you know, you guys talk and, and just, just talking and, and catching your stories and, and, um, the, you know, especially down South, it's a lot, you know, you hear Drew talking all those sayings Drew has, and you can just roll those into songs that, you know, so easily. And, um, but yeah, it's not, it's not, but I, the hunting aspect of how it, that brings the guys together. That's camp. That's camp. Mm-hmm. Camp gets the guys together. The guys being together, talking about the experiences is what, you know, gives you the inspiration for the songs. So absolutely. There's a, there's a strong, um, tie in there. I mean, you know, but there's, that's just the way that I grew up doing it. I grew up hunting and, you know, I, I'll, 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 raise my kids to um hopefully uh i've got one on the way so uh yeah stephanie i probably wasn't supposed to say that that early but uh anyway we it's out there it. now <laughs> um but yeah um i'll raise my kids the same way and uh you know i just want to teach them that you know it doesn't you don't have to be the best at something or you don't have to uh to try to it's not all about uh, having everything in life, you know. Um, I, I hope they're successful in whatever they do, and I hope they uh, they grow up fearing fearing the Lord as I have, and you know, loving people. Well, that's the whole thing about um, the holy the Holy Bible teaches you to just love people, you know. So why are they trying to ban a book in California? About loving people. You want me to answer that because it's going to take a lot more no, time than you I, have. No, but uh, but you know I, that's that's me. I I love people. I love being around people. And if you're not good people, I don't want to be around you. Yeah. I'll still love you from a distance, a long distance, long distance. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about inspiration, and as you're talking, and you're talking about good people and the, the way you raise your kids and the way you were raised by your mommy and daddy, who are both unbelievable people your brother, your sister, I mean, everybody in your clique, everybody that you've ever introduced me to, I can tell why you surround yourself with them. But you have a a couple lines in a song that I'm thinking about right now. I pray, even out of church, I get paid when I do the work. Not a whole lot going on around here, just a good old boy with a brand new beer. And there's a line in that song about teaching your kids to do the same. I'll teach mine to do the same. That's right. So right there, you just prove that the way you live your life, the people that you surround yourself with is inspiration. And there it is right there. It just came out in that song. Mm-hmm. Those are your lines, your lyrics that you wrote because of your upbringing, the way that you see the way life not needs to be lived or should be lived, but the way that you choose to live it. That's right. I'm not telling anybody how to raise their kids. I'm just telling you how I'm going to raise mine and how I, you know, and that's the, the people that are raised you know, similarly, and it doesn't even have to be that, but just, I love to be around people that don't bash people behind their backs. Or, you know, I've been around those people that just like, ah, oh, I'm talking, talking. Well, I just want to walk away from it. Um, but, you know, you, I just like good people. I even wrote that song, Good People. You probably haven't heard that one, and I probably, uh, you probably shouldn't sing right too now. rusty to sing it right now, but. Maybe one of these days. Well, I mean, I, I campfire. Campfire will bring it out of me. Well, there's going to be one tonight. <laughs> um, when 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 you talk about when you talk about the songs again, and you know, 
Leith Lofton, you hear that name, and to me, you're, you know, the first the word that comes to mind is friend, and and then I and then I remember things that little things that stick in my mind, like tomato gravy, right? <laughs> like when I think about your mom's tomato gravy, it gives me mm. again goosebumps. Not because like I'm like starving right now or that I need to eat right now, but the passion that that lady has in her tomato gravy, the passion that you have as her son to talk about her tomato gravy and serve it to us. Um, you, you were born in Mississippi, you were born in the state of Mississippi. You went to school at Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. You met a lot of the people that you still stay in touch with today on campus there in the dorms and the fraternities, whatever it was. You've written songs in your early days. You, like you said before your publishing deal and the one about, you know, I want to, I want you to play a little bit of it because I've had them with you in Mississippi. I've had good times with you. <laughs> in a lot of different states besides Mississippi. And this year, I'm hoping that you come to Alberta and Saskatchewan so we can bring that vibe up north of the border because it's going to be some good mallard duck times up there. But please play the first, the beginning, all the way through the hook of Good Mississippi Times. Oh. Which happens to be the first song I ever wrote. The first. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live from the studios here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. Good Mississippi Times by Leith Lofton. So we didn't have a fire rolling at this uh, when I, but we were sitting around and my brother had just uh, came home from the um, boot camp. And uh, he and a good friend of his just went hand grabbing. And we were sitting there and I was like, man, why didn't y'all let me know y'all were going? But, uh, so he was telling me about the day, and I was just listening to him talk, and uh, and I had my guitar out there, and I was like, "Man, I'm gonna try to write a song for the first time ever." So it ended up something like this: Cutting across the corn rows, I lost my can of school from the dash of my pickup truck, trying to make it to my favorite fishing hole. Boys had the cooler a beer packed tighter than a can of old sardines. And all we thought to eat, bring to eat was crackers and hoop cheese. And Chad was a little hungover from the long night before. He popped the top from a hair of the dog that bit him and he shoved us from the shore. It was the middle of June and it wasn't getting hotter Cold bush light was going down like water And catching catfish was the last thing on our minds Cause me and the boys have a good Mississippi time Yeah, me and the boys have a good Mississippi times Yeah, good Mississippi times yeah, the best ones, y'all, never cost a dime. Raising the Delta Swamp in our veins, houses on wheels and dogs on chains. We loved our mamas and we loved our daddy's shine. And we loved having them good Mississippi times. In case some of y'all don't know what hoop cheese is. I was just going to ask. <laughs> I, was, I knew it was going to be on the brains of a lot of listeners out there. So it's that uh, 
Real yellow cheese with that red wax rind around it. If you go down south and you go in an old one stop or just an old small country store, you might see it laying on a wax paper, sweating. So hoop cheese is not the bottle with the with the push deal with the the what was that string cheese? What was well, no not string cheese but easy uh, cheese. Easy cheese. That's not hoop cheese. Ain't nothing easy about a hoop cheese. So is it good? Heck yeah, buddy. They leave it on the counter so it'll start sweating on that, you know, and it'll just get greasy. And you cook with it. You don't eat it just off a slice, Oh, right? yeah, you eat it off a slice. You put it on crackers. Hmm. Hmm. With a sardine. Well, you can throw a sardine on My there. My boy had the cooler packed tighter than a can of old sardines. Well... Most of the yeah, we didn't have sardines, but he had to. It was just a you know. But when you when you hear a song like that, and my brother Clint's sitting in with us right now, but you ever I don't a know can if a, sardines. I don't know if a millennial would understand what a can, pack tighter than a can of sardines would be when you when you pop the top. Mm-hmm. Okay, you you know it's a, popping the top on a can of sardines, mm-hmm. and you peel it back. It's got right. like that foil that you peel it back. There's usually about six little sardines in there. The first little aroma might make you jump back about a step, <laughs> maybe two. And then you eat one and you're like, good night. Yeah. You're like, so the other, the other mustard is my favorite flavor. Mustard, mustard sardines. Clint, and then we you, had mustard. And then you throw the hot sauce on those. Oh man. What? Give me this. <laughs> give me what, what does, and I, and I'm getting it. So when you, when you go out and you party and you celebrate and you have a couple too many adult beverages and you wake up in the morning, you, you have a bloody Mary to get what they get rid of what they call, or to get the hair of the dog, the hair of the dog. Okay. So you have a line in there that is pop the top on the dog that bit him last night. Is that the line or do I have it wrong? Pop a top from a hair of the dog that bit him. So he got bit last night by the dog, but now in the morning he pops a beer right away to get rid of that. the, The dog bite. That's right. See, that's just clever, man, because it's not just like, oh, he's hung over. Like you listen to it and you're like, you got to figure it out. It's science. Is well, there, I don't know if it's science. Well, I is th- there I a think science it's just, I think it's just uh, old, old Southern lingo. <laughs> yeah, but to put, nobody else putting their long, a song like that. Is there a science to writing a song, Leith Lawton? Is, there a, is <clears throat> there a certain pattern that you need to follow to get a hit in Nashville? Is it like you write four lines and then you have the pre-hook and then the hook or the no, chorus? Man. Is there not a science? No. no. There's no science. There's no formulas. There's, um, there's, uh, you need a good beat and you need a good message and you need somebody that has some pull to put it on the radio. It's a little bit of money to back it up. <laughs> and a good voice doesn't ever hurt in anything, but they're, you know, that, um, they have done some wonders with, uh, without that ingredient to a good song. <laughs> uh, we will not say any names. No names given there and when you you move to nashville you've already have some songs under your belt like you said previously that you sign a publishing deal and for the guys and ladies and girls and boys out there listening to this life ain't for everybody a publishing deal is Mm. a publishing company it doesn't just publish a book there's people out there that will have you they'll give you money on a monthly basis or a stipend or an allowance or whatever Mm -hmm. and you have to write for so you have to deliver so many songs they take those songs to artists that artist will hear that song you might sing it or they might have another artist with a better voice or something sing it then that somebody like you or kenny chester somebody hears that song goes i want to cut that song Mm. and now all of a sudden leith lofton's song shows up on a john party record and john party takes it number one 
Leith, and if he has any co-writers, gets paid some of that money that that number one song brings in. And then right. the publishing company gets the other part of it. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of how it works? Yes, exactly how it works. That's exactly how it works. And uh, usually their their parts are are bigger than your parts of the money. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of figuring out what kind of podcast we were having here. <laughs> So uh, does, does the word publishing make your skin crawl? No, it doesn't, man. I mean, I actually have my own publishing company. I started it uh, through CSAC. But um, when I signed, I had that actually when I signed on to another publishing company. So my part, when, it, you know, then I had to, I just had to split my publishing, every song I wrote with my publisher. And then I put the other, you know, credit of the song toward my publishing which is lethal songs lethal lethal songs. l-e-i-t-h-a-l that's right lethal yeah i think that that would be that would have to be the name of your tour like the, the when we launch this tour coming up i got some plans for this tour i got some i got some uh some wheels turning on this music deal and that's kind of why i brought you here is because i wanted to hopefully have a talk tonight about really going after this because i'm really like seriously and i've been saying it for years like the people have to hear this music and and you i'm not saying like that and like it's it's from the heavens i'm just saying that it's so good and so real and the inspiration that you have and i've heard you do some of the best covers that i've ever heard and you have some staples when you play a set you have staples that you that you go to um is it the Waylon? Is it the Willie? Is it the Merle? Is it are would those be the three that you lean on the most as your inspirations, or is it George Jones? Is it Elvis Cust- or Elvis Presley? I mean, is there inspirations from all parts of music, or is it mainly those three men right there? Do I have it right when I say Merle, Willie, and Waylon? Well, growing up, they were definitely my. I listened to those more than anything, and and Bo Cephas for sure. Um, I remember many. Uh, cassette tapes my dad had a Bo Cephas so I listened to a lot of that but uh yeah Willie Nelson I had a I had a um a 45 of Willie Nelson when I was probably four years old uh Honeysuckle Rose album and just grew up I had the uh I had a little play guitar with the um Honeysuckle Rose um that album cover on the on the guitar there so I was a big Willie fan and still am I mean that guy is just going to do it until he dies, I I think. I mean, God, gosh. amazing. I don't know if he gets any. I mean, he don't get better, but he don't get worse either. He just he's just the same old Willie. They just announced a concert here he's for unbelievable. Au- for August. Yeah. I think he just turned 84. Allison Krauss is opening for him, which she's got the voice of an yeah. angel, in my opinion. He sold out this, this theater, which is the biggest theater in Reno. He sold it out in a day. 84-year-old Willie Nelson, I'm like, what and i just saw jamie johnson there in december he sold it out quick but you know jamie's another guy that we both have got to mm-hmm. hang with and 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 when you when you talk about inspiration of a song and you i'm so glad you brought up hank because hank is kind of gotten a bad rap sometimes as being you know like kicked off of monday night football because he speaks his mind and da 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 on down the road and he had songs back in the seventies that I've heard. We do a little bit of outlaw women, please just to hear you just sing that song for me because like that, that is the ultimate, that is the ultimate song of having the back of your significant other. And when you do it, I'm just like, God dang, Stephanie is a lucky woman. Like for real, like give it to me a little bit. Outlaw women. 
to say that Stephanie's. Uh... I, I know she's going to listen to this, and I just want Stephanie. He's a lucky man. I love you, Stephanie, but you're lucky too. <laughs> Some call her a lady. Some call her other names. <laughs> but you won't ever call her that around me in my game. Outlaw women First of their kind Outlaw women Getting high in 79 Outlaw women They don't need no guns And these outlaw women out for fun Yeah, they out for fun Oh, God, man. Like, like oh, I don't know, man. I, I just don't think it gets better. I don't care. You know, it's not going to persuade me. And, and I, I'm, I'm sitting there listening to that and my phone buzzes and it's a text from my brother who's sitting eight feet away. He goes, make him play Dinosaur. And oh, I'm, yeah. and uh, and you, just the, just the first verse, just like when you hear a song like Dinosaur, it's almost like I mean, Leith, you're 37 years old, and your style is like like considered prehistoric. <laughs> like this is a song about you because you're so old school in your approach to <laughs> to song. You know what I'm saying? It's like you, you're so you're. It's like you're writing songs with Merle. I've been throwing horseshoes. I mean, what in the heck does that even mean? Over my left shoulder. And when you hear it, you are you just go, I want to meet a girl and fall in love. That's the way love goes. It's just like so good. It's like, even if you get your heart broke, you got to go and experience that. That's the way love goes. But sing Dinosaur for a second, and then I might even have you play a little bit of That's the Way Love Goes. It's just, uh, yeah, a little dinosaur, a little more Bocephus. I feel like there's some distortion when I sing loud, but uh, I'm going to try to do it. I don't think there is. I think it sounds pretty clean. Hey, man, them ain't high heel sneakers. They sure don't look like cowboy boots. And that ain't a rock and roll you're playing. It sure ain't country rhythm or blues. <laughs> yeah, you're singing a song about making love to your drummer. Gay guitar pickers don't turn me on. We don't all get in to down the summers. Do you happen to know? A Leith Lofton song Cause you see I'm a dinosaur Should have died out a long time Before Have pity on the dinosaur Give me my hat Excuse me, ma'am, where's the door? Give me my hat. 
Excuse me, man, but where's the door? Oh, I had to pull my old headphone back. I was ringing in my ear. Would you, would, is that one of your favorite songs? <laughs> that song, I think, uh, really inspired um, that and just, uh, you know, our living style. That spawned, I guess it did, uh, the 50 Years Too Late song that, that Drake and I wrote a long time ago. After we wrote Coast is Clear, we decided we were on the same page and um he came to me he, after we played a show down in alabama together and i had played that dinosaur uh on stage with drake and uh he comes back to nashville um shortly after and he had um spent some time with his grandfather that weekend or i think this is how the story goes and um he said man i, I was i was hanging out with my grandfather and and uh and after hearing you sing that song and just the way you way you live and the way you and I both live, uh, we're we're dinosaurs and we're we're um he said, So I've got a song I wanna write with you and and he said I said, Man, let's do it and we had um I, I don't know if that we had written uh actually we had written Money's All Gone as well. So we had a couple under our belt and uh, he said uh, I said, Well, shoot me the title, what is it? He said, uh, born 50 years too late. And then when he said that, I was like, well, yeah, I probably said that in my sleep a couple of times. I'm definitely that. I'm born, uh, I don't know, 50, but I'm born several years too late for sure. And uh, so we, we did the best we could do with that title, and uh, I like it. And I, I think it's one of, my, one of our favorites that we've written together. Hmm. But uh, this definitely spawned, I think, from uh, that dinosaur put the put the idea in his head after I did it on the stage with him that that weekend. So one songwriter in Drake White gets inspiration from another singer songwriter in Leith Lofton singing another song or singing a song from another singer songwriter in Hank Williams Jr. A.K.A. Bo Cephas. That's right. How cool is that? It's the way it goes. Please man. don't think you're going to get away with bringing up that song and not playing it though. Man, <laughs> is it too early? I mean, I don't want to wear you out because I know you got a big show for us tomorrow, a little private party for us here for about 160 people, and it's going to be unbelievable. But when you hear a song that has lines like, I'm I'm real cool, old school, it's like, that's a cool line. And then, <laughs> and then the John Wayne line in the song is a cool line. And then... I don't even know how you come up with some of the stuff that you and DW did at the time you're writing it, but the song talks about uh, I'm down home Southern. Yeah. I don't need nothing, just enough to get me by. So right there, here comes that whole ideology of the money's all gone again, just mm -hmm. enough to get me by. That's you right. just give me my little piece of land. Drake had a song called simple life, yep. little piece of land, a little church, my family, couple deer, couple turkey, maybe a couple trail cameras, just so we know what's going on in the land. Absolutely. New age technology. But that's all you really need. And I think that a lot of the guys that that have made a lot of money, let's talk about like Red Akins for a second. He's made a lot of money writing songs for a lot of big hits. for like Bobby Pinson, a lot of money, yep. a lot of big hits for a lot of big country stars. They still just need that little piece of land. Yep. They might have a little bit of extravagance once in a while, but the mentality of most of those solid songwriters is put me in the woods, 
which I love that word. And I learned that in the South too, because out West, you don't hear it a lot. We say, let's go to the mountains. Let's yeah. go to the reservoir. <laughs> but down South, you're like, let's go to the woods. It's such a cool say. There's a song in that. Put yeah. me in the woods. But anyway, like that whole mentality of that song, 50 years too late is my dad. My dad would put spit on his index finger and write the mileage from one deer stand to the next one in the dust on the dashboard because we had the windows down looking for deer, looking for antelope, looking for coyotes, whatever we were doing to pops would lick his family. Man, that, what is wrong with him? And now, now that he's gone, I'm like, God dang it, man. Why didn't I pay more attention? I did pay attention, exactly. but why didn't I get it at that time of like, that's 50 years too late. That's what they did before GPSs, And that's what yeah. they, and then when we wanted to draw a map or when he said, all right, guys, this is what I want you to do in this coyote stand. He would get down on his knees and he wouldn't like bring it up on Google's map. And you're going to have to go over this road. You're going to have to go over this hill right here. You're going to see a little tree on the left. And he'd write this all down in the dirt. He'd take a rock and he plays it there. Born 50 years too late. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. I wish that sometimes, and I, don't get me wrong. I like, the technology i like the conveniences that we have today and that's just sure. part of evolution but to know that that song exists and again is not being heard by the masses pisses me off because that's the way that we all should live not getting on a soapbox and saying that if you're you know living a different way is wrong i'm just saying in my opinion sure. there's a right way to, to see it so if you want to sing it, you well, can, but if you don't want to sing it, I understand it. But I just want you to know, like that song is the first time I ever heard Leith Lawton's voice. I didn't even know who Drake White was then. I didn't know that yeah. he was your co-writer on it. When I heard you sing that song, I was like, I want to be friends with that guy. And that's the way I think that life needs to be is 50 years too late mentality. Well, I think we all need to be to kind of just step back and, and like you said, I mean, sure, we got the technology, so we don't have to go back into the caveman era. But, but as far as like our mentality, take a step back and and um, you know learn to do without a few things. I mean, gosh, dang, set your phone down for a whole day. Just set your phone down and go go go. Leave it at your house and just go live a, a full day, even in the woods. I do that when I go out to Kansas. I'll just uh, I'll purposely leave my phone and and. I'll sit eight hours on a stand and, 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 uh, they, they're like, well, we couldn't get up with you. And I'm like, well, I just wanted without my phone today. But how are you going to let everybody know that what you had for breakfast Yeah, in the, in the coffee you had at Starbucks? I mean, how are you going to let me know? Do you? Well, I don't want I mean, to let I'm everybody following. know. I, I'm a follower though, Dub. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to let everybody know. But isn't know. it funny how we've gotten so, uh, like if I want to know what Leith Lawton's doing, I'll type in his name and I'll be like, oh, he's in Florida. Oh, he's doing this. That, it's just like, I want, I want to get better at doing what you just described, but I'll be honest with you. It's harder than it sounds. Yeah. And to do it in today's world is like, are you missing something? And think about what we did as kids. You, you're, but you know, let's bring up Drake white back into him and his bass player, Philip Pence wrote that song back to free. Yeah. And they wrote that because they're sitting out in a front yard in rural town, Georgia. And Philip's son has yeah. a helmet on yeah. with Urkel glasses a Superman cape, I can't, cowboy boots yeah. and shorts. He didn't care and what he looked like. And he's got a plywood ramp that we all used to make as kids. Oh, we would put yeah. the, we would put the, the, the brick, the cement block down. Oh, I've got scars. Uh, me got too. Scars. And because we would I go, was not a good engineer back in them days. <laughs> no. I mean, we even went as far as going and buying Masonite and trying to build half pipes for skateboarding and dropping in <laughs> and just breaking every bone in our body. 
because we thought we were getting to get drunk and be somebody like Toby said, but we didn't, I'm not saying we drank as kids, but we were trying to be somebody. Yeah. And, and that song, when I hear back to free, back to real, da, 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 it was written about a little kid jumping off a plywood ramp with a Superman cape on. Yeah. And that's how we should still, that or that mentality of put your phone down and let's just yeah. go put a cape on and be Superman for the day without nobody caring or knowing who gives yeah. a shit. Put me in the woods without my phone. Put me in the woods without my phone. Put me in the woods without my phone. I ain't gonna let nobody know what's going on. <laughs> See, right there, we're honest. I, I get a co-writer on that deal. Um, okay, so I don't want to get away from 50 Years Too Late because I think it is very instrumental in my friendship with you because when I heard it, I was like, dang it, man. Dang it, I want to hear that song again. And I remember how I got it. I remember who got it for me. I remember begging for it and waiting for it. And now I get to play it with your permission and Drake's permission on The Foul Life. And when I hear it, I still, to this day, wish I could turn on the highway on Sirius XM or a local country station and, and hear it, even if somebody else cut it. But I still don't think if somebody else cut it, I would get the same feeling. Please play 50 Years Too Late. I like spring and dogs and rusty screen doors Candlelight on creaky wood floors A good sunrise and fireflies in a jar A banjo ringing through the pine The way I feel on homemade wine And jug fishing underneath the stars I'm okay I'm just fine Just wish this world would move a little slower Y'all or we could go back in time I'm just down home southern Y'all I don't need nothing Just enough to get me by And I was raised at an early age When you shake a man's hand Look him square in the eye Hell, I'm a real cool old school, don't you lie to me, fool, ain't a thing about me fake. I'm a modern day John Wayne, got my daddy's last name, born 50 years too late. Whatever happened to an honest day's work? Sweating hard in a flannel shirt Y'all, it's a fast-paced rat race No give, all take Who's gonna finish first? Y'all, and nowadays Safe to say that a damn dog Has got more rights Cause the administration's Trying to rule the population Folks, we gotta stand up and fight But I don't complain I take it all in stride just seems this whole damn world has changed almost overnight But I'm just down home southern, y'all I don't need nothing Just enough to get me by And I was raised at an early age when you shake a man's hand Better look him in the eye I'm a real cool old school, don't you lie to me fool Ain't a thing about me fake I'm a modern day John Wayne, got my daddy's last name, born 50 years 
I said a modern day John Wayne got my daddy's last name born 50 years too late 50 years too late When you talk about if you modern day John Wayne, which John Wayne, you know, like John Wayne always said, life is simple unless you're stupid and in little sayings that, that, or life is easy. It's a life is difficult or it's a lot more difficult if you're stupid. He had all these sayings, <laughs> but John Wayne's mentality of what we all grew up with was the old Western movies, true grit and the Cowboys. And, and he was a man. So in that line, you're like, I'm a modern day John Wayne, meaning, Hey, the coast is clear. I'm not scared. Let's go. Let's get on my horse. I got my six shooters. I'm, I got a little rifle here if I need it, but we're going to go find, we're going to go get, you know, at the end of true grit, you know, like fill your hands, you sons of bitches. Da, da, da. And then at the very next line, you throw in, got my daddy's last name. And again, maybe that's a Southern thing. You know, we all have dads and we all have awesome relationships. You know, most of us have had awesome relationships with our fathers, Kenny's your dad. Obviously you and Drake were sitting there, you know, he spent some time with his grandpa. You, you guys were sitting there saying our dads are everything to us. You're proud to have your daddy's last name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're proud where we came from, you know, even though you were, you had cars on blocks and dogs on chains and all that things you're talking about. Didn't bother you a bit, buddy. I didn't know we was poor till somebody told us. <laughs> See, that kind of stuff right there, man. It's like, I didn't know we were poor until somebody told us. And that's just awesome. That's just so cool. I mean, I, I'm, my first, I remember people, um, they would rag me from, I had my, I got, when I went to high school and got my license, I, I went to uh, school in my dad's old truck. You know, he got a, a newer truck. He didn't get a new truck. He got a newer truck. And I got the old beat up extended cab Nissan two-wheel drive little truck and that was my dad's truck and then i i got that truck and and uh man i just thought i was just i mean i thought i was doing it and I, it was just old beat up truck and you know everybody would they were laughing like oh look at lofton's piece of crap you know but but man it was wheels it was uh it got me where i wanted to go and uh man it's I didn't care about all that, you know. I just wanted a truck. And my parents, I was fortunate enough. Some people don't even get that, you know. I was fortunate enough to get a truck. Some people, and I didn't care how pretty it was, but some people don't even get that, you know. And I I felt blessed to even to get that Nissan. And, you know, some kids, they had brand-new forerunners, you know, in high school. And I was, you know, I mean, I probably looked at them like, man, that would be nice to have, but did you need it? No, but whatever. 82 Ford Escort was mine. Yeah. And looking back on it and you, and it's fun to reflect on those days because yeah. the sacrifices that mom and dad made. Oh man. The, the karate classes, the Holy baseball Lord. games, the basketball games, the soccer games, the concerts, the first communions, the, the everything at school and the hospital visits and the emergency rooms. And you know, 
there's a right way to be a parent. And when you look back on the way your mom and dad did it, the way that Drake's grandpa and mom and dad did it, the way my mom and dad did it, and everybody that, that, that we run with, it's nice to be able to look back and realize, no matter when it is, as we mature in life, that, hey, they gave it up for us, man. Oh, man. They weren't running around like we were chasing chasing life. and chase. I mean, they had kids when they were 20, bud. Yeah. 20 years old. Mm. I'm, I'm 43 now, and I have a seven-year-old daughter, Alyssa, and I love it. She's my best friend. I can't imagine having Alyssa when I was 20. I don't know what I would do. I didn't even know where my car keys were half the time <laughs> at 20 years. And my mom was going to nursing school, raising three boys that were all two years apart. She started having them. She had me when she was at the end of her 18th year, 19 years old, 21 and 23, had three mm. boys. I mean, I, my brother Clay's got one boy named Chase, and he, he wears me out. I can't imagine having three of us running around at 21, 23 years old. Her well, and my dad, they sacrificed everything. She had a lot more energy. But that's what that line means. You're proud to have their last name yeah. because of what they did for us. Yeah. They molded us into what we are. They didn't give us everything. They taught us the values of life. They taught us to be polite, hold doors open, help people when, you need, when, when they need it. And that's how we live. And that's, again, that's the, the messages that you get out of your songs. And, and when, you, when you think about where you're at in, in your songwriting career. And, and I, and I think, again, I think you're an amazing singer and we're going to talk about your voice and all that later on, maybe in a closed door conversation, but you brought a guy into my booth, probably, I don't know, six years ago, five years ago, we had that log cabin in Nashville, mm -hmm. built that thing thinking, Oh man, everybody's gonna go crazy. God, I couldn't even remember it. It's hot in there. No air would flow through it. And we wanted, we couldn't wait to get rid of it, but you brought this cat in there and he sits down and he's got the Wranglers on the cowboy boots and he starts picking and I'm always picking up what I can't put down. And I'm like, man, that's a cool song. And here we are a few years later and party is he's making it. Yeah. And as your friend, as you, being his friend, you don't get jealous. You don't get envious. You support his career. You're happy as hell for him, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, hey, I really, um, I don't know how I would take being on the road 260 days, 80 days, however many days out on the road he's on. That that may drive me crazy. I mean, so that's that's a message to kids and himself right there. Be careful what you ask for. Because I really thought... When I first moved to Nashville, that's what I wanted. And if I, if it would have happened, I probably, at the time, I was 25. You know, I actually moved to Nashville later. I mean, in life, I mean, you you really need you really need to get you need to move. I should have moved to Nashville, skip college because I went to college not even knowing what the hell I was going to college for, and I got a degree and never once used it. So I should have just moved to Nashville right out of high school if that's what I wanted to do. But I didn't even know that's what I wanted to do. So, but I moved there late, and uh, you know, at, when I was 25, I probably would have loved to have been on the road. But now that I'm I'm 38, I mean, I'll go on the road, but 260 days a year, like old party's doing, that's a lot. That wears on me. Every time I talk to him, he's like, "Man, I'd love to just come out there to the farm and just just hang out and do a, a tractor work day, and we can bush hog and do whatever." I mean, he loves doing stuff like that, and he he don't get, you know, he don't get the opportunities that all the time that I do. I mean, I hunt a lot more than he does, and uh, you know, I love playing guitar and playing shows, but I love hunting too, and it's just oh man. 
So it, it's a balance. It, it's a it balance. Is. But his balance is a little bit more teeter totter in the other way. Oh, where, I mean, but yeah. you have, this, but, but he might have to strike while the iron's hot. That's, that's absolutely. You have to. I mean, he, he, you know, but you know, who knows how long that boy's iron's going to be hot. <laughs> it may be hot for a while. He's hot right now. Yeah. I saw him the other day, like UMG in, in Nashville was, was, uh, they put a picture of him up like he's becoming a sex symbol now. Oh, yeah. I saw it. You see it? He's like oh, becoming he, a ladies' man. You know well, he's like, he's got a he's got him a lady that's kind of um, moved in with him, and she's done painted the bedroom blue. And oh, uh, on top of that, re they've remodeled the whole house according I mean, to what she wanted. Yeah, I mean from the kitchen to the bathroom to the stairwell. I mean reconstructed the whole house. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he's on it, huh? I think he's in love. I don't know. He he's probably wouldn't admit it. So he when you when you just wrote that, when you just said that line, painted the walls blue. That's a Montgomery Gentry line. Yeah, which is an unreal song. Like that was one of their first big hits. That's when, and you, you got you got Eddie Montgomery and and when 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 Troy, what happened with Troy just now? Mm. Like terrible. Um, yeah, terrible. Getting ready to go to a concert that the helicopter wrecked in New York or New Jersey, getting ready to go to Pennsylvania or somewhere for a show to meet, to meet Mr. Montgomery. Um, I saw that he, that Eddie's keeping the band going. Yeah. Still singing the hits. And then yeah. not long after that, not long ago, right around February, um, Daryl Singletary passed away, which yeah. blew my mind because I was just with him in Georgia oh, no. at the Realtree event. He did a concert down there with Ira and all of a sudden, I mean, yeah. 47, 48, 46 years old or something gone yeah that's why you you need to take care of yourself i mean Darrell was was um i mean as awesome as he was talent wise i don't i don't think he lived the healthiest lifestyle but uh but i don't know you know and and t-roy you know we hate losing somebody like that but that that goes to show you right there troy went out doing something he wanted to do he wasn't he he went on a helicopter ride because he loved doing those action packed things. And though, you know, he loved going out and doing those things and he wasn't going to let, you know, if somebody would have said, well, I wouldn't do that. Those little, those little helicopters aren't, aren't that safe. I mean, he didn't let that affect him. He went and did it. Okay. It ended up being a tragedy and taking his life. But I mean, you know, well, it's, it's like this. You can't it's like be scared you... to do it just because of that, because you got to know where you're going to go when it's time, when it's your time to go. And if you're, if you're right, in my belief, I'm not, you know, that's just what I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and preach to anybody out there, but, and even though that's what we're called to do, but T-Roy may have known where he was going to go and he may have been okay with it, you know? And it shows you that like that statement I made before earlier in the conversation was, it doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how much money you made or how many sellout crowds you've played in front of all over the world. When, Tragedies can strike anywhere at anybody, anytime. That's it's, why it's not important. It's not important. And, and he was, and you're right, he's living life. He was taking a helicopter to go to yeah. work. Um, and he was, he loved being in the outdoors. He loved being around his friends. When I hear guys like Chris Jansen and Blake Shelton talk about T-Roy and, and what he meant, he was a stud. And not to mention how talented he was and what they did with that little two-man band. You know, I don't know if there's anybody better than them ever in a two-man band. Brooks and Dunn obviously is the, the one that everybody knows. And Brooks and Dunn is awesome. But Montgomery Gentry was so good. 
And, yeah. and I don't like to say it was so good. They still are. Their songs still ring true, but that it just goes right along with a lot of their songs are about that small town, yeah. that green tractor, that, that, that painting the room blue and moving to LA and thinking you're going to be somebody, but coming back to your roots and you dye your hair out there and you're on the beach with a belly button ring. But now all of a sudden you're back here because you like my boots and you like my, you know, and you like that. And I, I think that there, that the, the, the the songs that they have and the songs that you have and the songs that I like to listen to, it's, 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 I get, I think it's tiresome because I feel like a lot of people are like, Oh, there goes Belding again. He's, he's like talking about the way music should be. And I don't want people to ever think that. Cause I know you don't think like that either. We're not going to sit here and say, well, you know, you know, got record executives and guys on 16th and 17th Avenue in Nashville, which is considered music row, um, they're, they're doing what it takes. They're, they're lucrative, you know, they're yeah. creating revenue streams and profit margins and they're selling merch. They're doing what's hot. And I hope that guys like Stapleton, I hope Jamie Johnson comes back. I hope your songs start to hit Drake songs. I just see like this whole highway men revival kind of deal of Channing, Channing Wilson, yeah. your buddy Channing just mm-hmm. got a record deal. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Channing's unreal. Yeah. He lost, we lost another friend before that. Uh, the red dirt legend, Brandon Jenkins passed away when he yeah. was going in for his heart surgery, but guys like that, that really, you know, that word revival is being thrown around in Nashville. There's even a night during that's called the revival. Yeah. Um, there's, there's events out there like whiskey jam, um, at, at, Lu, uh, at winners that's in, in midtown in Nashville. Um, there's cool things going on that cool vibe. And that, where I'm going with this is Nashville isn't the Nashville that it was when you moved there, which wasn't even close to the Nashville. It was 15 years before you moved there. Um, the, the amount of business going on there, the amount of money that's flowing through that city. Now, when you go down to Broadway, Broadway is not the same anymore. Um, it's evolution. It's, it's what happens. We get it. It's the natural evolution of life. Do you still enjoy being in Nashville and does it still hold a special place in your heart to be there? Or do you want to get out of there as fast as you can and get back to Mississippi? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I love Nashville. Um, I love Tennessee. I've, um, I, I, I won't ever move back to, to Mississippi. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, um, uh, starting my own legacy, um, in Tennessee with my wife now. And, um, and the, little one we have on the way um but as far as being in the city limits i'm i'm kind of uh growing out of that uh but just just the traffic and and mainly mainly just the traffic you can't get to anywhere i can't when i moved into the house i've been in nine years when i moved in there just pulling out of the main road it it takes me five to ten minutes just either which way i want to turn but um that you know people are just flooding in there it's crazy how how fast it's growing um high rises going up but you know the, that doesn't bother me as bad as just if if nashville's uh substructure or whatever um if we were built for it and the traffic could flow um, it would probably make it a lot easier, but man, there's just, there's parts of Nashville that's so congested and it, that's what makes it tough to be there. But, but, um, but growing up in the country, I mean, that's where I, that's where I want to be. So we bought a place outside of Nashville. It's a little bit further than we wanted, but, uh, it's about an hour out and, um, 
it's just so peaceful out there. I mean, you don't have sirens. I mean, I was getting on the plane this morning. It was 5 o'clock. I was leaving my house. There was sirens going up and down the road. And I'm just like, you go out in the country and you don't you don't hear that. But I don't know. There's, there's As this world grows, I mean, there's just not many places that you can get away from it anymore unless you just go out to nowhere, Kansas. And it's or, kind of a give and take when you talk about, you know, something – like the audio of a siren, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is obviously somebody's hurt, something, something's burning down, somebody's in trouble. Yeah. Well, if you live out where you're about to go to live, it's a lot harder for a siren to get to you. You know, yeah. the helicopter's got to come. So there's a give and take. Yeah. You live closer to a hospital, you live closer to an emergency respondent vehicle, something like that. You might have a little bit easier time. I, you know, my, pop, my dad died in the mountains of Nevada, antelope hunting, and my mom just told me yesterday, I wonder what would have happened if we would have, been able to get dad to a hospital and get a stint put in his da 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 Well, you know, he was way out there in the middle of it, but it does. That's, well, that's living. You can't. You can, exactly. I was about to say, you, you can't live with, uh, all right, so if you're, if you're worried about, okay, well, I don't live close enough to a hospital, because I did date a girl like that one time. She, uh, she, would, she came to Vaden. She was like, ah, I don't know if I can live uh, somewhere like this. It's not close enough to a hospital. I'm like, well, why do you live thinking about all the tragedies that could happen. I mean, live out there. I took her outside one time. This was years and years ago. Uh, it just happened to be a, um, a meteor shower that night. And we were out there in the country, and there was no – I didn't have a neighbor where I lived for a mile, in any direction, a mile. I was way out there and on this doctor's property, and I kind of was a caretaker, and he lived in Jackson. He was a cardiologist, and he had a lot of land, and I lived in a little cabin there. And uh, so I had her out there, and this we went out in this field, and there was a meteor shower. And I was like, "See, you couldn't, you couldn't even see the stars in Jackson, Mississippi, where she was living, you know. And that's not even as big as Nashville. But you have to live your life. I mean, it, I want to live, and I want to look at it like, well, that's you know, get away from that and live the peaceful life. I'm not going to live in worry that oh, I'm. My house may burn down because the fire truck won't make it here in time. Yeah, the line goes like, "Live like you were dying." Yeah, right. Like you might you might be on your way out, so let's go live like the coast is clear. I mean, but you don't live in fear of dying. No, you just don't do it. And it's fun. It's it's you can relate it back to religion and Christianity and everything. But here's the deal: whether you're a God fearing man or not, and I'm not saying that there's a right way to be. And I understand religion, and I'm not gonna ever gonna try to persuade anybody with that. But there's there is a right way to look at that in in living like you were dying compared to living afraid to die and yeah. i th- i think that you know what you and stephanie are doing out there and I, I i don't accredit myself with anything you know as far as that relationship goes but i was there at the very very beginning stages <laughs> when we were at the blue bar sing for your supper another bobby pinson event and this little blonde gets up and you had already talked to her and da, da 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 da, but she got up and she was in, she, you know, had music, musical roots, dancing. She was a cheerleader for the Dallas Cowboys. She gets up there and sings a song about, come on, help me out. What was the song about, about the boyfriend and the being, can't, can't live with them and you can't shoot them. Yeah, you can't live with them and you can't shoot them either. And I'm like, she's good. She's good. <laughs> she's good. This girl can sing a little bit. And anyway, the next thing I know, Leith Lofton is dating this beautiful girl, Stephanie. And I don't know if she's from Florida, but yep. she's Fort she, Lauderdale. I know she's from Fort Lauderdale. 
and now you guys are married. Yeah. You, you, and you have a song that you, that we call a fishing song. I call it, you know, it's a love song, but I call it a fishing song. Did you play, did she hear this song before you asked her out? Because like, if I heard you sing this song, I would be like, I'm in. Like if I'm a girl and you're, and you're Leith Lofton and you sing this song, I'd be like, and you know what I'm talking about, right? You know what song I'm talking about? Which one? The vision song. What's it called? Rock the boat. <laughs> and when I hear you sing rock the boat, it's like, when you hear the song rock the boat, or when you hear somebody say rock the boat, that doesn't mean what this song talks about. And I, 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 this is when it comes to being, you know, clever lyrics, if Stephanie didn't hear this before she dated you, I'm sure she's heard it since. And she probably would have been in your arms a lot quicker if she would have heard it earlier, but do a little bit of rock the boat. And then when you're done with it, I just kind of, I want to know, like, were you in a relationship when you wrote this? Do you have love inspiration from girls? Like when you were with Stephanie and you're laying on your couch and you're watching Netflix and we all know that y'all watch 13 episodes of to make a murderer within one day, you know, like you guys are on this binge watching and you're laying there with her. Does it inspire you to write a song like Rock the Boat? Does it inspire you to write a love song when you're with a girl that's that special to you? Have uh, you had inspiration with love, Leith? Yeah, I have. Not much, but uh, I, I wrote a... Actually, I wrote a song for our wedding, and I didn't even play it because um, <laughs> I wasn't that confident or I, I was a little nervous, so I uh, I went to another fail-safe song that I wrote. Um actually before I met my wife, but it's called Love Your Life Away, and it suffice for the day. But um, this song, Rock the Boat, we just, uh, it was one of those Nashville co-writes that um, we just all got, you know, got together in there and just uh, made something happen, but it kind of, it ended up being real cool. And uh, um, I don't know, I just call it my fishing song, but... uh, it was a little something like this. The sun's sinking down and the water's low. It's you and me in an old John boat, and I'm staring at you. You're staring at your fishing line. Girl, we ain't had a bite all afternoon. Let's lay the poles down for an hour or two. Find the perfect spot to throw the anchor over the side. Some quiet little cove we can rock the boat. We're gonna make some waves, find our rhythm, make the bullfrogs blush and the fish stop swimming. Not too fast, not too slow. Let that muddy water sway us back and forth. Get a little fun, baby. Let's rock the boat. We might put on a show, baby, let's rock the boat. So the song is is like the the ultimate display of public display of affection, a PDA, but no other people are watching. You got the bullfrogs blushing. The fish are so wild that they stop swimming. And it's a sh- you're putting on a show. We're putting on a show. Let's find them. a quiet little cove where we can rock the boat. Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate fishing song. I mean, that's better than Brad Paisley. I mean, Brad Paisley had an awesome fishing song. He did. You know what I'm saying? And that one right there is just, again, It's if people heard that on the radio right now today, I'd be like, 
I'm going to go watch that in concert. I want that song at my wedding. That song, that, that it's engaging. It makes you want to sink your fingernails into it. So to be a part of writing a song like that, you weren't inspired by love at the time. You just kind of just reflected back on maybe a high school girlfriend or. Oh you know, yeah. Look. I mean, you, you go back on, on some old times like that. I mean, I've been in a boat or two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> may or may a... not have been in a cove. <laughs> this, I could have been right out in the wide open. I just hear that. And I'm just like, man, it just makes you want to be in love. It just makes you want to have somebody there. Like, and, and, and just that line about the bullfrogs blushing. It's like a bullfrog can't blush. How the hell would you know if a bullfrog blush? It don't matter. The bullfrogs are blushing. The fish stop swimming. That means like, whoa. And you just can't move. Like you're putting mm. on a show. So Again, it's just another great song in the arsenal to where I believe it's a hit. I think it's going to be a hit. Um, one of the things that I know that you've done in life and, the, and, and what we've experienced together is your gratitude and your affection and your loyalty and your love for military. Um, I've been in camp with you a few occasions. We shared camp in Idaho, yeah. um, not last duck season, but the duck season before yeah. with Mr. John Shaw, his son, Houston at Hagerman's yeah. wings farm and Jake, Mr. Jake young yeah, yeah. Navy seal. And uh, you shed tears. I shed tears. Jake, Jake still yeah. texts me. His wife still texts me what we did for him and what your music meant to him through the freedom hunters, through Benelli, through John Shaw. Like I said before, amazing right to know what he did and yeah. how therapeutic that duck blind and that hearing you sing was for him i'm not saying that again i'm not asking you to go well i don't know how important my music was yeah again having you in camp and having that release for him just to be yeah. able to go wow listen to these words and then the duck blind and seeing those mallards pitching the decoys and do what they do the everything you just it doesn't get better than that right man it's so awesome i mean you know i mean that's that's it takes all all kinds of kinds, like that Miranda song, you know. Um, <clears throat> Jake was good at doing what he did, and I'm, you know, I, some people may say I'm good at doing what I do, but I appreciate what he did just as much as he appreciates what I did. And um, you know, being being there in in uh, different kinds of life coming together in a in a intimate setting like a duck blind and and sharing his stories while I, you know, talk about my music with him and uh, seeing him just having a good time and after what all he's gone through, just the fact that he can still have a good time after what he went through is is, um, is a miracle in itself. And um, But it, it was just awesome just being there and, and sharing that and, and John Shaw, man, stand-up guy, and, and I've – he he does a lot for him, and it's it's awesome to see that what he's doing for him. And your brother was in the military; he served, yeah. and you have a lot of ties to it. And you've also got the opportunity through your relationships with different companies in this industry. You get invited out to play a lot, and you get to play for the Chris Kyle Foundation and his wife. And we all know that Chris Kyle was another American hero. Um, tragedy with what happened with what struck, yeah. but again. You know, Chris Kyle probably wouldn't want anybody feeling sorry for him. And you've been allotted the, the, the freedom through his efforts. And then you get to give back by going and singing the songs that you wrote for the, the, the parties that, that, that are put on. You've got to hang with his wife. You've gotten signed copies of the book. Yeah. Um, 
again, it's, your music has brought you to that respect level and that gratitude level where people that of Chris Kyle stature, his wife who is going through hell finds therapy and finds hope in listening to your music and invites you back again and again to me. Like you just don't, it doesn't get better than that. You just, you love that, right? Yes. It's, it's awesome. I mean, it's fun for sure. Uh, but those people, man, the, the people that I've met, I don't know if it's just me or if there's just a lot of people, a lot of still a lot of good people out there in the, in the world. But I have definitely met some awesome, good people in, uh, and a lot of them are in the hunting industry, and and I, I owe a lot of meeting those people through you and uh, and through you know Bobby Pinson has introduced me through a lot of people, um, but yeah, just man, a lot of people have just taken me in and 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 um, made me feel good about my, about what I went to Nashville to do so many years ago. And so. when you talk about the good people and I don't want to get so ingrained in military talk and, you know, because we both take it serious and, and, and really have a lot of pride in being able to associate with the men and women that we've met through, through our, you know, hunting ventures or music adventures. We get to meet a lot of cool cats that have, that have fought for our freedoms, but there's also just everyday Joe, normal people, nine to five grinders that in, and I talk about it all the time about how hunting makes up is the common denominator of all these different walks of life that come together. And, and your music is, is, is right there with that. And where I'm going with this is that we both have a mutual friend that I met through you in Nashville, Bobby Johnson, um, the whiskey band in Nashville palace and, and, and bootleggers. And you talk about an optimistic, always upbeat, loving soul that doesn't care to make a dollar off of the relationship or to, 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 to get anything out of it. He's always there. That, that's yeah. the kind of people that you're talking about is Bobby yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's absolutely one of the, one of the best, uh, best hearts in Nashville right there. For sure. Huh? You don't get a bigger heart than Bobby Johnson. Do you, do you, I love some of my favorite nights in Nashville are with you and LD and Bobby, um, you know, Randy Travis, I hate what happened to him, but yeah. you know, LD was there through all of the, the touring with Randy Travis and seeing you pick with him and yeah. knowing and looking at Bobby and knowing the pride that you're bringing to that place. I mean, Bobby will is, is the first one to text me a picture of, of him wearing a banded hat of him wearing a foul life shirt, always supporting us, always giving up his time for us, always letting us intrude on his space at whiskey yeah. band and our VIP parties. We throw every year during the NWTF convention, I just wanted to bring him up because, again, how I met you was through a hunter. How I met Bobby was through a hunter and a, and a singer-songwriter in Leith Lofton. And now, I don't know, and, and what's cool about it is that if you went away, I'd still be friends with Bobby Johnson. If I go away, you're still friends with all my brothers, with all the people I've introduced you to. And that's what's awesome about all of this. Yeah. And. I think that where I'm going with the Bobby Johnson is that you travel with him and y'all hunt together. And I don't know if it ever gets competitive. I don't, I just know that there's a lot of fun have, and I know that there's a lot of adrenaline and I know that there's a lot of anticipation going into these trips and you and Bobby Pinson wrote a song. Um, I don't know, three or four years ago that has become a staple again. I don't know which songs you've written that aren't a staple, but you wrote a song that does go with Turkey hunting, does go with duck hunting. It's called wingman. And when people hear it on our show, and I'm not just saying this, you can ask Tom right there. He's the one that retrieves or get, he doesn't retrieve. I didn't mean it like that, but he gets all the messages that come in. It is easily the number one requested song 
that we get from our viewers and fans, which we got a pretty strong audience. Because it's unavailable. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. They hear it on the show and they want it. Tom, am I, am I lying? No. This song Everybody's right here. wanting something they can't have. Okay, well, let's give it to them. Let's just give them a little bit of... of Didn't wing. Drake sing that about that? <laughs> oh, we always want what we can't have. Yeah. But, but wingman is, 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 whether you're in high school, we all get wingman. We got yeah. guys that fight with us. We got guys that drink with us. We got our buddies, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you go, and you, and you, you go through stages, too. I mean, I, you know, I graduated high school and I went to college, and none of the guys I went to high school with went to Ole Miss. Most of them went to Mississippi State, and I, and I went against the grain on that one. And then I graduated Ole Miss, and I ended up moving to Jackson, and I still had a few friends there. You know, you keep up – you keep a few of them, but uh, different stages in life, you uh, you meet new guys, and they become your wingmen, you know. And um, so they they come and go. But I guess well the the, the really close ones uh, they stick around for a long time. But uh, I guess um, but yeah, it's nothing like uh, having experiences with somebody that you can always you know you have one good hunting experience with this guy, your wingman on that trip. Well, twenty years down the road, you're hanging out with that same guy. You can look back on those experiences, and that's what's fun about it because it's not just the one day that you had that awesome experience with that that experience will is ingrained you know is ingrained engraved in time and you can always you know relive that and talk about it and you'll have that together between the two of you and that's what's awesome about sharing awesome experiences with somebody like that although i do love going in the woods by myself but there is something to be to, said about the duck. Oh um, yeah, no, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. I think uh, it was uh, Scotty Lego. He was talking about you know he he likes sitting in the deer stand, and I was listening to the podcast y'all talking, and I was like, this guy, he sounds like me. Yeah, I mean he he, he loves turkey hunting and loves deer hunting, but then I think you may have introduced him to duck hunting, or or maybe a better uh, scenario. Of duck hunting, I know that was my case. I duck hunted a little bit before I met you, but then you kind of amped up my uh, experiences. And you wrote a song in the duck line in Kansas on the Arkansas River <laughs> called "Free Bullets." Keep loading it up, pulling that trigger. And before, when you're going into a song like "Wingman," it's again, it's a song that needs to be heard because there's there's songs out there about friendship. There's songs out there about having somebody's back. There, you know, there's there's all of that oh, yeah. but this song represents all of that plus more on so many different levels and when you talk about you know the song is simple and it's short but it's so powerful it sticks with you and when i hear it i'm just like man i'm so glad and so so thankful for all of my wingmen yeah Grew up birds of the same feather Wherever I was you'd find him I fought my first fight alongside him Caught my first good buzz with him And we were more like brothers Looking out for each other Hung together through thick and thin 
Even when the pickings were slim He'd take the thick, leave me the thin You gotta have a wingman, swingman Ask questions later, man Standing there when you're making you a stand, man When you fall, you can call him to pick you up again Everybody needs a buddy like him Gotta have a go-to Get you through all of what you're going through God knows he's gonna be there for you when it hits the fan you gotta have a wingman Yeah, man Yeah, in and out of trouble Couple dirt road rebels Digging holes no shovel could dig Like Butch and the Sundance Kid Riding beside me, whatever we did Gotta have a wingman, swingman Ask questions, let a man Standing there when you're making you a stand man When you fall, you can call him to pick you up again Everybody needs a buddy like him Gotta have a go-to Get you through all of what you're going through God knows he's gonna be there for you When it hits the fan Yeah, man Gotta have a wing, man. Yeah, fishing, fighting, drinking, raising hell. A man can't do it all by himself. Well, it ain't as fun. Without a wingman, swingman, ask questions, let a man Standing there when you're making you a stand man When you fall, you can call him to pick you up again Everybody needs a buddy like him Gotta have a go-to, get you through all of what you're going through God knows he's gonna be there for you when it hits the fan Yeah, man You gotta have a wingman Again, like, I don't know, again, not genius. I know you're intelligent, but the, the song is so good and so well-written and so well-constructed. And, and we all know Bobby Pinson's success in songwriting and the hits he's written. That's a hit. You and him wrote a hit, and it's not being heard. And it's so screwed up, in my opinion. It pisses me off that that song only gets heard when you play it live or when we play it on The Foul Life. And it needs to be heard on radio daily because that, again, that's what guys are going to catch on to right now. Cause it just rings true. And you know, we've been talking two hours again and all, all these podcasts were like, man, we need to go 60 minutes. And Dan Henderson, who I'm probably afraid of, <laughs> he was pretty pissed. He's like, he takes off his headphones. He goes, man, you know, I really thought it was going to be like 30 minutes. You know, <laughs> I'm like, Oh shit. Cause it was like two hours and 15 minutes. And you know, he, he would hear that song and be like, that's a hit. That's it, the wingman. And Leith, I don't know what to say. We could talk all day. I could, I would love to do another podcast with you down the road. Your, your songwriting is insane. Your friendship is even more insane with me. I love you like a brother. You're what, here, buddy. what you've done for me, uh, emotionally and, and, and mentally the, the, you know, people talk about songs, getting them through. Well, again, no matter how good we got it and I got it good. 
I don't bitch about anything. My life is so blessed. I'm so humbled by what I get to do for a living. And your songs get me through a lot of my ups, you know, my downs. And when I need to be up, they, I listen to them and I got them all. And when I love sharing them, my biggest joy, when I turn and he's smiling, when you're singing, that's how it is when you're in camp. When I, when, when the real tree guys are listening to you, I'm looking at Tyler Jordan around that fire at Prairie Wings and Brandon and, and, and to hear what Brian, Brian Adams, Brandon's brother said, and Todd Ross, they're like, Really? This dude should be huge and you should. And I hope that you don't take that like, oh, it's just somebody else saying something. I really mean that. You are as good as it gets in songwriting. You're as good as it gets in guitar playing. You're as good as it gets in performing. And I wish nothing but the best for your music. I know that personally you're kicking ass with Stephanie, um, your new property, your 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 housing and your property management and your hunting and and your relationships and your friendships. I just want the music to get out there. I don't care if John Party cuts it. I don't care. I just want these lyrics to be heard. And you made a comment going in, and I'm gonna let you finish this podcast by one more song at the end. But what is next? What is next? Like, is it hunting? Is are we going on a hunt? I'm going to Argentina in July. So. And and. <laughs> There, there's just so many things that we do together. Um, you're coming back out to Nevada to Tahoe in August with Steph yeah. and pontoon boats. It's going to be I think, awesome. I think Little Big Town had a song about the, the mm -hmm. pontoon. We talked about ins inspiration for a minute. Is there anybody currently that inspires you that is in Nashville? Is there any inspiration in that city anymore that keeps the flame lit? Have you given up on it or are you going to continue to give us music that we need to hear? Because even if it's not going to be on Sirius XM, I have to have it in my head. I got to have it in my beats. I got to have it on my Bluetooth. Are you going to keep writing songs? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just, um, I just, um, I guess I slowed down, um, just, you know, getting married and, and just trying to build a life. But, uh, I mean, that's no reason I just, um, I, I don't know. I just I just wanted to take a step back. I mean, I'm still right. Don't get me wrong. I'm still right and and uh, play, but <clears throat> I just took a step back for a little bit uh, in regrouping. And uh, I think everybody needs to do that in some form or fashion um, in whatever you do. If you if you're getting, I know when I uh, when I was at Ole Miss, I I worked out religiously seven days a week, and if I would miss a day, I would be pissed and i think that's what um that's where i was uh musically and i hadn't even um i wasn't even on the road uh 280 days a year or 260 you know I, I wasn't on the road but what i was doing was i was getting in my truck pulling a trailer you know booking booking my own shows and and coming back to nashville and writing the songs and 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 recording the songs and and uh, and doing all this for, and I was grinding, just grinding my wheels for the longest time, and it, it was just they, my wheels were just spinning, you know. I wasn't going anywhere, and I think I just kind of, uh, I burned myself out, and uh, I don't know, just um, meeting my wife and 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 slowing down a little bit has has uh, has given me more. Uh, more things to write about and and I've, I've been taking a little bit more time just um with myself and, and instead of you know the forced co-writes in nashville and 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 uh you know 
you you I go back to that that old Willie song. I mean, I, I guess I just had to slow down because I mean, you can't write a song if you don't have something to say, and you gotta without a good message. I'm just gonna write another song, and I've you probably I've written probably two hundred and something uh, or hits. I don't know if I've written 200 hits, but <laughs> way more than that, probably 400 songs that you've never even heard, you know, well, that makes me the mad. majority of them. But it's because those songs are just, they're the, they're the, they're the songs that you, you know, you just forcefully, yeah, I got to write for this publishing company or I got to, you know, I feel like I got to write a song today just to be writing. And, and sometimes you, you'll come up with a song and sometimes you won't come up with anything and then sometimes you'll come up with one that sticks around and stands the test of time so which i think a lot of yours do and i think that that is why they need to be heard because i truly believe they would stand the test of time with myself and our circle they do and i know people in our circle that are educated in music i know people in our circle that are musicians they are singer songwriters and they all say the same freaking thing he's a badass he's he's got it and I don't want to go into all the songs. I don't want to even name all the songs because I want to have you back because it's special to have somebody of you of your talent. And when you talk about playing the guitar, I mean, Willie Nelson's an unbelievable guitar player, and I feel that you 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 pick it better than anybody I've ever seen live. Um, I've I've heard people way bigger than you in the industry say Leith Lofton picks it as good as it gets, and um, I want to have you back. I, I think that people need to know more about your humility and the way you view life, the way, more importantly, the way you view friendship and family. And I think that if everybody gets the message that you give out in just when you talk and your, and your, your, your excitement for life and what you talked about in the beginning of this conversation with the word love, which can be taken for granted in so many ways, but you really do love people and you're always hugging. When you go into the kitchen at honey break, you hug Miss Shelley and she wants to hug you and you become a favorite of everybody. And not everybody has that Leith. I don't have it. I don't have that sweetness. And I'd wish every day I'm like, man, I wish I was a sweeter man like that. Some people have it. Some people don't, but you can always work towards that. That's something in life that you can work towards becoming better at. And you inspire people to become better at that part of life. And that's why I want to have you back. Your songs to me are my absolute favorite. The ones you've written with Drake White are my absolute favorite. Everything you do, I love. I put my stamp of approval on all of it. Not that you need it, but I'm very critical of myself and of music and of TV and of hunting and everything that goes into life. I'm too critical probably. Even when I used to go to these leadership council classes and stuff, they'd be like, man, you need to work on on being such a critic. And I am. I get it. I, I admit it and I need to work on it. But I'm critical and you got it. And I want you to sing one more song before you play us out with the song that you played us in with just a couple lines. Cause I don't want your voice to get tired and I've already worn your vocal cords out today, but will you just please play a song that when I hear it, I get the biggest smile on my face because I'm like, I really am just one whiskey away from doing that. And I really am just one whiskey away from doing this. So just please give me a little bit of one whiskey away. And then I'm going to say thank you. And then I'm going to have you and Tom play us out with the money's all gone just to end it. Again, I appreciate it. I'll say thank you after this song, One Whiskey Away. Well, man, I want to I want to thank you too, Jeff, for everything you've done. Um, I mean, man, we've we've had a good one, good run, and uh, I'm glad we've we've uh, remained friends over the six, seven years we've known each other. Um, I mean, I've I've heard uh, a lot of people, you know, and I don't want to. I'm, I, I sing your praises, and I've heard people, you know, they. there's a lot of people in this world that are jealous, 
and uh, and when they see somebody get success, they they become more jealous. And I've I've seen a lot of people in the hunting industry, uh, or or just hunters in general uh, that are real jealous of you. And and uh, buddy, I I just want to I don't know if they're listening out there. Just just um, I don't know. They're they're not half the the man you are. I mean you you do so much for a lot of people that you don't even have to do. And you've done a lot for me and you say all these nice things for me, but, um, I'm in your corner the whole way. And, and I just wanted to thank you for everything that you've done and tried to do for me. And, and uh, yeah, I would so do the, so the and respect I is that. mutual, buddy. Thank you so much. Brother. Um, yeah. So let me, uh, let me play this whole song for you, buddy. I mean, I got an, I gotta throw it down there one time. <laughs> you gonna play the percussion when the band kicks in? <laughs> I, I love this. I'm already I'm already giddy right now. I just came in here to have a couple beers with a buddy that was feeling low. One thing led to another, and that other was a shot. Got us where we wanted to go. You can only go so far on a good beer bus. Don't like whiskey, but I loves what it does. The band kicked in, the booze did too. Got that looking good, feeling good, pretty good mood. I ain't crazy, but on any given day. I'm just one whiskey away No girl in the corner better go on and stop Looking like she likes what I look like Cause that big old boy she got hung on her arm Looks like he don't like me much as she might I ain't here to dance, ain't here to fight but if we go another round, hell, I just might Cause the band kicked in, booze did too Got that looking good, feeling good, pretty good mood Y'all, I ain't crazy, but on any given day I'm just one whiskey away from saying, hey, wasn't me, it was the jack Yeah, I can hold my liquor till it don't hold me back Somebody hold me back Cause the band kicked in Booze did too Got that looking good Feeling good Pretty good mood I ain't crazy But on any given day I'm just one whiskey away Yes, sir Yeah, I ain't crazy But on any given day I'm just one whiskey away. I don't even want to start breaking that one down, Leith, but there is so much wit in that song and so much, so many lines that are so difficult to put together the way you do. Uh, I'm telling you, man, like, I don't even want to have you sing no more. You already sang our theme song live again, brother. You're the man. I appreciate you coming out here. You're playing my brother's 40th birthday party tomorrow. People are going to be wowed. Um, I don't say I'm a lot, but you just, I'm lost for words when I hear that song and all the other songs that you bless us with today. 
Guys, this has been another episode of very, very strong, dear to my heart, close to my heart, close to my family episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. You talk about a person that that is inspirational and has made me a better man. It's Leith Lofton. Um, his songs speak for themselves. Please look his music up. Get him. Request him. He's going to. He's he, he's there. I mean, I'm telling you, I can't wait for this. Some of these songs to be on the radio. This life ain't for everybody. Leith Lofton's life ain't for everybody. Tom Rashashin, my brother Clint's here. We got a bunch of awesome people, including my little beautiful daughter Alyssa, in the studio to listen to Leith play today. And if you want to, Leith, you can do it live. You don't have to. But what you gonna do when the money's all gone? Thank you so much, brother. I love you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we're all equal, that's what I think I don't believe heaven has a bank Make good use of your time on this earth and don't make a dollar bill all it's worth I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when your money's all gone? Said life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do? When your money's all gone